Good to see you this morning. I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to finish, I think we're going to finish the series. But uh, who knows, sometimes I'll tack on another message or so. But we've been talking about desiring spiritual gifts finding out where we plug into the body. But before we look into our text, I want to just kind of share. Someone, you know, people share with me certain emails and things about family. And so I want to share one of those that was shared with me by Carol Keller. And she had something sent about her grandkids. How many of you know kids are awesome and uh, kids are funny. They don't always know what they're saying. They don't care what they're saying. But kids have a way, again, of just teaching us some things about the Lord. And so she showed me this picture. This is their grandchildren, Logan and Blake. Logan is seven years old. Blake is three and a half. So the mom put them into the bathtub to take a bath. And all of a sudden, she hears Blake screaming bloody murder. Now, how many of you know when your kid screams bloody murder in the bathroom, Probably ought to check it out, see what's going on. Especially if you just heard the toilet flush and you hear them go, uh-oh. Not a good sign, all right? But anyway, so the mom goes in, and she says, Why is Blake screaming? And here's what Logan replied. Don't worry, Mom, I just baptized him. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And so <laughs> we got a young evangelist right there. And then little Blake, in only a way that a little three-and-a-half-year-old child can do it, says, Yeah, Mom, he dust baptized me. I is okay. She typed it out as she heard it right there, all right? But anyway, little Blake there had soap in his eyes. I'm, I'm okay, just got baptized. But anyway, so I thought about that. We were baptizing today. So love children. I love children. And again, they just really refresh us in the Lord. So this morning as we continue, just want to review a little bit. I guess we were talking about spiritual gifts. Again, they need to be studied. They need to be desired. I don't remember ever being taught to desire spiritual gifts, but I believe the Bible teaches that we should, and they also have to be developed. I hope that you never get frustrated that you're not where you need to be, because the truth is, it's a lifetime process. So please be patient with other people. If they're just in the learning process, just understand that every gift needs to be developed. And as we've been mentioning, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, concerning spiritual gifts or spiritual things, Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant. God wants us to understand spiritual things and spiritual gifts, all right? And as I've been mentioning, on any subject in the Bible, in the field of God's truth, there are a lot of different opinions. How many of you have found that uh, there's a lot of different opinions about any subject in the Bible? I find that all Baptists do not agree on a lot of things. I know this will come as a surprise, but sometimes Brenda and I don't always agree. I know that's probably a surprise to some of you. Most of the time, in case you're wondering... She's usually right. How many of you women know that's true? That's true. And so it usually falls that way. I should just submit to that early on. I would save myself. But in the matter of gifts, there's two primary camps if you're studying. Again, one camp says the gifts have ceased. The other camp says that no, they believe the same gifts that God gave in the book of Acts is still here today. And there are some extreme people out there on the edge. And, and almost with any subject, there are extreme opinions. But my theological camp, as I've been mentioning, 
I really can include almost everybody. There are some things that people say that I would agree with. And so I I just think you have to be open. I want to encourage you not to be so close-minded that you can't receive from another brother or sister who doesn't believe exactly like you. Now, I'm not talking about false denominations or false religions, but how many of you know there's going to be other people in heaven besides people that are in your little camp? Yeah, some of us are going to be surprised to find out there's other people in heaven. I think we're going to be amazed at how big the grace of God really is, all right? This is one guy that really has meant a lot to me personally over the years in talking about prophecy, spiritual gifts. We actually had him at our church probably about 12 or 15 years ago, Jack Deere. He was a professor at Dallas Baptist Theological Seminary, and his testimony is that he used to ridicule people who believed in the, in the supernatural gifts. I mean, he, could, he was a very, very intellectual, and he could, from the Scripture, literally just work Work somebody over who believed in the gifts of the Spirit. But then all of a sudden, God changed his heart, and all of a sudden, that which he was opposed to, God showed him, and he embraced it. How many of you know sometimes you find out God is bigger than your thoughts? And so his life changed. And kind of the testimony of his life there, that book on the left, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit, I would encourage people to read that because, again, I think we need to be open to all the things of the Spirit. And then he wrote a book, The Beginner's Guide to the Gift of Prophecy. I would encourage people to read that as well. But he's just somebody who's meant a lot to me, and he's very open. He's been on both sides of the camp, but I just appreciate his honesty and his transparency. A verse we've looked at each week in talking about the gifts is in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, where Paul says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit at all. Again, I want to remind everyone, God's given you his spirit the same way that he's given me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in every believer, and he has given us his spirit so we can profit the body of Christ. God wants us. He designed this thing where we need each other, and you're important to the body of Christ. As we've been mentioning, that we're all pieces of the puzzle, but Christ is the head. And I love how Paul says he put everything under his feet. So regardless of where you are in the body of Christ, you really are important to God. All right. So he's the head. We're the body. I want to illustrate it this way. I've got eight characters up here. Every church has a Bubba. I don't think anybody's name is nobody here is named Bubba, are they? All right. I just use Bubba because I thought, well, nobody's going to be named Bubba. But, but every church has a variety of characters. How many of you know that? And so here's the deal. Each time that they accept Christ, they are connected to God. The Spirit of God comes to live in all of these people. So even though they're very different on the outside, the same Spirit that goes inside is the same. And so in the Spirit realm, they are 100% connected. I just want you to know that, that in the physical realm, we're very different. How many of you just look around and say, there are some different people. All right, we're all different in the natural realm, but in the spirit realm, we are all 
equal in God's eyes. That's really important. Galatians 3.28 says that in Christ, in the spirit realm, there is neither Jew or Greek, there is neither male or female, there is neither slave or free. I just want you to know that in the spirit realm, you are all equal in God's eyes. That is so awesome. You have as much clout with God as I have, or as Billy Graham had, or anyone else, you're somebody special. And so, let's put Bubba here. Let's say that Bubba has a bruised heart, all right? And how many of you know that sometimes we can smile on the outside, but we can be hurting on the inside? How many of you know that? And so sometimes when you see a brother or sister smiling on the outside, it doesn't mean they're not bruised and battered on the inside. And so when God knows that, obviously if he's connected with God, God knows that Bubba's hurting. And so God may put Bubba on these other people's heart. How many of you again have had some, God put somebody on your mind through the week? And I think when God does that, he's wanting us just to pray for him. How many of you have ever woke up in the middle of the night and had somebody on your mind? I mean, I think it's happened to all of us. And again, why God does that, I don't know, but I always figure that if God wakes me up and has somebody on my mind, I'm supposed to stop and pray for him. Now, I would probably encourage you to caution in calling him in the middle of the night. I would pray about that, but I would definitely pray for him and maybe the next morning send a text, give a call, and just see how they're doing, all right? So that's how God works in the body of Christ. And so chapter 12 ends by saying, but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. Anytime you're studying the gifts of the Spirit, somewhere in that study should be included that chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, which again we call the love chapter. And the people that I've heard that talk about the gifts of the Spirit, can I just be honest? Very few of them talk about the importance of love. But the Bible says, I believe that no matter what gift we have, it has to be done in the love of God. And so again, Paul begins this chapter. Let's read together the first few verses of 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. I just want to say this, whatever you're doing in the body of Christ, it needs to be done in the love of God. I mean, we need to do it with that unconditional love, regardless of how you're serving in the body. And so again, sometimes we can keep track of what we're doing, and sometimes we, we kind of keep tabs. But I just want to encourage you again, if I could give you just one simple word of advice, no matter what you're doing for God, always do it in the love of God. With that unconditional love and just pour out your heart to that brother or sister in the Lord. And then chapter 14 again starts off by saying, pursue love, which is a good thing, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you prophesy. Boy, that just caught my attention. And by the way, when I'm talking about spiritual gifts, this is a journey I've been on for nearly 40 years. I'm not just talking about something that I've had an interest in over the last couple of weeks while we've been studying it. Literally, for the last 40 years, 
I have been seeking out what God has for me in the area of spiritual gifts. And so, again, the word prophecy uh, means speaking forth the mind and the counsel of God. And so all in the world prophecy is to me. Now, people will say to me, God doesn't raise up prophets like in the Old Testament. I would agree with that. Prophecy is not just about telling the future. I believe that is maybe an aspect of prophecy. But I believe that prophecy in the most simple definition definition is just simply walking in the Holy Spirit and as the Holy Spirit knows Ron is hurting over there and he puts Ron on my mind the reason he puts Ron on my mind is he knows that Ron is hurting and just needs somebody to pray for him maybe text him maybe call him and just say hey just want you to know I'm thinking of you and praying for you, brother. I don't know what's going on in your life. But again, as we're walking in the Spirit, prophecy to me is just sharing the heart of God with our brothers and sisters. Paul defines it this way in verse 3, and I'm so glad verse 3 is in the Bible because it gives us a dictionary definition of prophecy. He says, He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So here's what prophecy is. Prophecy isn't putting people down. Prophecy isn't beating people up with the Bible. Prophecy always builds up always encourages or always comforts. Prophecy is always about just loving people with the love of God and just, again, using our words, whether they're spoken, whether they're typed out, just to encourage brothers and sisters. The Amplified Bible says verse 3 this way. Let's read it together. The one who prophesies speaks to people for edification, to promote their spiritual growth, and speaks words of encouragement to uphold and advise them concerning the matters of God, and speaks words of consolation to compassionately comfort them. God wants us to just minister to each other every single day. And again, as we walk in the Spirit, and the Spirit who lives in you lives in me, and if He knows that you just are hurting and going through something, He's going to put it on our heart to pray for you and to encourage you and build you up. How many of you have ever had somebody text you, send you a card, call you, or some way contact you and just say, hey, God put you on my mind. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. It really is amazing how much that means to us as we go through our day. Now, I've shared my definition of prophecy. And again, my definition would read something like this. Prophecy is sensing God's heart for another believer and in love communicating that message that will always build up, encourage, our comfort. And again, I want to emphasize that because I have been around people who literally thought their gift was to work people over with the Bible. I'm going to tell you that is not a gift of the Spirit. I believe God is so compassionate, so loving, so encouraging. He knows the struggles of life. And so he wants again to build us up, wants to encourage us, and wants to comfort us as we go through the struggles of life. That's why I say this. Let's all read together. Prophecy always profits others in the body, you see. If it doesn't profit others in the Bible, in the body, it's not prophecy. So prophecy always builds up 
never breaks down, never tears down or belittles another brother or sister. And as we've been talking about in the book of Acts, people say to me, why so much about prophecy? Why not talk about other gifts? And all the gifts are important, but prophecy. Why does the Bible say especially desire prophecy? And why do I believe that it's attainable for every single person? Well, back in the book of Acts, the scripture we've read the last couple of Sundays, we've talked about it. As Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, he quotes from the book of Joel. He says, it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, all people groups. And this is what will happen when my spirit is poured out. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And again, depending on how you interpret prophecy, that may seem a little strange, but if you just see it as simply sharing the heart of God and in building up, encouraging, and comforting other brothers and sisters, it's probably one of the most simple things that you can imagine. Now, part of that verse that we didn't look at the last couple of times, the latter part of verse 17 says that when the Spirit is poured out, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. Now, I used to tell Brenda, I'm still seeing visions because young men see visions, old men dream dreams. And Brenda said, I think you've been dreaming for a while. <laughs> so anyway, how many of you know wives keep you straight? They keep you on the straight and narrow. But so one of the results of the Spirit being poured out Old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. And by the way, sometimes in church, we see this scripture fulfilled. I sometimes say when people are sleeping in church, we're seeing scripture fulfilled because the Bible says people will dream dreams, amen? But anyway, that's, that's, that's something, I don't even know why I thought of that. All right, the verse ends by saying, not only will your sons and daughters prophesy, but on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Doesn't it kind of sound like in the last days, everybody's going to be prophesying? I mean, that's, that's, that's what it seems to indicate. Now, again, depending on how you see prophecy, that could either be a really a weird scripture, but if you simply see it as walking in the Spirit and sharing the heart of God with brothers and sisters around you, it seems like the most natural thing in the world. And I believe that's what prophecy is, all right? And so, can we hear God? People say to me, how do we know? Can we hear God? Three times, Jesus said pretty clearly that we're going to hear his voice. In John chapter 8, he said, he who is of God hears God's words. He says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. He said in John 18, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I want to tell you that all of us, it should be natural to hear the heart of God, to hear the voice of God. And again, all in the world prophecy is, is knowing the heart of God, hearing the heart of God, and just communicating that with each other and building each other up in the body of Christ. Now, the primary way God speaks to us, in my opinion, is through the Holy Spirit. I believe God's spirit that lives inside of us, he's the one that speaks to us. And that's why we need to get to know the Holy Spirit, all right? Very, very important. Jesus said this concerning the Holy Spirit. And the reason I believe the Holy Spirit is our primary teacher 
is because that's what I believe the Bible teaches, all right? So here's what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John, John chapter 15. He will testify of me. Here's what I know, that when, the more you get to know the Holy Spirit, the more he wants to talk about Jesus. I've actually had people tell me, I don't want to emphasize the Holy Spirit. I just want to get to know Jesus. I want to go on record as saying you will never, ever know Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit because he is the one who will talk about Jesus. He's the one that's going to reveal Jesus to us. He says in chapter 16, whatever he hears, he will speak. He will guide you into all truth. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He will take from me and declare it to you. And so Jesus said the Holy Spirit is the part of God where he reveals the heart of God. And so again, as we walk in the Spirit, I believe the Spirit will put on our heart and mind how to minister to each other in the body. And so here's a thought, and I want you to remember this. It's never the voice of God if it goes against the Word of God. That's really, really important. Because people say to me, how do I know if it's the voice of God? The voice of God will never, ever go against the Word of God. And they will always work together. And so again, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, remember the three ladies who stole an upstruck? They covered themselves in mustard from head to toe. They stole this upstruck and they told the police officer God told them to do it. I just want to tell you, there are some things I know for sure God didn't tell you to do if it goes against God's Word. But if God puts something on my heart, let's say, and I'm, I'm just using Ron here because he's sitting pretty well close to the front. I could use Eric sitting right next to him over there. But, you know, if, if, if Ron is a greeter in Walmart and I walk in Walmart and God just puts it on my heart, why don't you just smile at that guy? Why don't you just tell him that Jesus loves him? Now, let me ask you, if I have that impression to go up and tell him that Jesus loves me, I would say to myself, is that something God might say? I would say, yeah, probably so. Now, if God told me to go up and just say something ugly to him, if I said God told me to go up and say something ugly, that's not God. And I just want to say that as we walk with God, again, we're just hearing the heart of God. We always just kind of parallel. And I think the more you walk with God, you'll know immediately if that sounds like something God would say or if that does not sound like something God would say. But it really isn't that complicated. And let me also say this. People say to me, I'm not going to act unless I have 100% clarity. I'm 64 years old. Most things that I hear from God are not 100% clarity. I think God wants us to trust him. God wants us to trust. Let me say this. If I felt like God wanted me to go up, and I'll pick on Eric over here. If I felt like God wanted me to call Eric and just say, hey, I'm praying for you, brother, man. I don't know if anything's going on in your day right now, but God brought you to mind. I just want you to know God loves you. He knows what's going on. And he just, I just want you to know everything's going to work out, brother. Now, if God put that on my heart, and let's say that I step out and I do that, would God ever be angry if we stepped out because we believe God asked us to do something? How in the world would God be unhappy with us if we were stepping out of our comfort zone because we believed he was speaking to us? I believe it is a process. It is a process. And so I just encourage you to trust that still small voice 
in your heart. Well, how does God speak to us? Again, I think primarily through the Holy Spirit, but here's some of the ways real quick. First of all, the Bible, and I think all of us would agree with that. People say to me, I don't know that anybody that would disagree that God does not speak through his word, but I want to say the part of God that speaks to us is the Holy Spirit. And so if you've ever been in a Bible study or in a, in a sermon or if you've ever been driving down the road listening to worship and all of a sudden the light came on and God showed you a truth, that's the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit who inspired this book will also bring it to light. And so the Holy Spirit speaks through the Word. All right. And so, again, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, here's what I found in prophecy. I'm just giving you my experience. Most of the time when God speaks out of his word, he's always reinforcing how God sees you. Most people have a very low self-image. Most people beat themselves up almost constantly because they're not doing what they think they should be doing. I believe that prophecy, more than anything else, just reminds people that God does not see you the way you see yourself. God loves you, he cares about you, and you are somebody in his sight. And so what I've discovered about prophecy is it's incredibly uplifting, it's incredibly encouraging, and it's very comforting. And so again, as you begin to walk with God, it'll be an amount of love that God uses in your words to minister to other people. Number two, God not only speaks through his word, but I think God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit into our mind. Again, we have a lot of thoughts. People say to me, how do I know if that thought is from God? Again, does it line up with the word of God? Is God asking you to do something that seems like would be something God would ask you to do? The devil's never going to tell you to go witness to somebody, all right? The devil's never going to tell you to go build somebody up or to encourage somebody. And so again, as you walk with God, you'll begin to right away say, that's God. That, that sounds like the voice of God. Or you'll immediately say, I know that's not God. God would not want me to do that to somebody. And so again, it's a process. God is wanting us to trust him as we walk for, forward. So sometimes he puts a thought in our mind, sometimes a scripture, sometimes he puts a name, sometimes an image. But again, the Holy Spirit just speaks in our mind and again puts thoughts, images, a scripture. And it's happened to all of us as we're talking to somebody, a scripture comes to mind that we forgot we memorized. And we just share that scripture that that person needed. So again, it's just walking with the Spirit and just trusting that what he puts on your mind. A third way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through creation. How many of you have ever went out at night and just looked up at the stars and the sky and just spent some time with God? I love to go down by the river and just sit on the bank and just listen to the river flow down. And there's something about being out in nature that really does proclaim the glory of God. And even the Bible says the heavens are telling the glory of God and the expanses of heaven are declaring the work of his hands. I think God speaks to all creation. And when people tell me I can worship down at the lake, I would not disagree. I think you can worship out on your back deck. I think you can go out at night and just look up at the stars and worship God. But God still designed the church where we need each other. But I want to tell you, everywhere you are, 
you can worship God. Bruce back there, man, takes all kinds of amazing pictures. And I want to tell you, there's something about the pictures you take of nature and just capturing nature that just really speaks to the glory of God. And so God does speak through his creation. Number four, God speaks through the circumstances of life. I know I've shared some of my stories through some of the craziest things I go through. God is speaking to me. And so I just want you to know, nothing you go through is wasted. Nothing you go through goes unnoticed by God. God is always speaking to us, all right? And so learn to step back and just listen to what God is saying in your life. Number five there, God speaks to other believers. And that's something, as I have a brother or sister come up to me, I can't tell you over the years how many people have come in my office, said, hey, God gave me this thought, God gave me this dream, God made this impression, and I will always sit and listen. If it's a child, if it's somebody 95 years old, if they feel like they've got something from God and they're willing to come and share it with me, trust me, I will sit and I will listen. If you ever think that you cannot learn from other brothers and sisters, you're mistaken. And so God speaks through the body of Christ. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when I was a summer missionary up in West Yellowstone, I was in that play, Light Shine. I had the leading role, which didn't talk and didn't sing. I was the mime. But one time after that performance, a lady came up. The first time I can ever remember anyone prophesying over me, which is just really encouraging me. She didn't know me from Adam, but she came up to me and she basically just began to tell me of how God was going to use my life. And you have to understand when she said that when I was 19 years old, I still could not read without shaking and quivering. I still could not get up in front of people at all. But God gave her a word to encourage me and to love me, and just to tell me how God was going to use my life. And I want to tell you, that meant a lot to me all these years later. And then I went, we went to a Bible conference. It was actually Jim Muir and myself. We went to a Bible conference down in Texas. It was in this big stadium. And we would, as all good Baptist pastors do, we sat way up in the balcony, as far away as we could. How many of you know what? We're, how many of you understand that? All right, we sat, we sat way up there. And then during one of the, the breaks, we were just sitting up there minding our own business. And a, a lady comes up. She comes all the way up to where we are. And she just said to us, God has given me a word to share with you guys. Now, she didn't know us from Adam. And she just began to share a word to Jim. And then she spoke to me. But it was all words of encouragement. It was words of comfort. It was words to encourage us to keep on keeping on with God. And then about five years ago, it was back in 2015, Britta and I had just eaten a meal, and the waitress came over and she gave me a napkin that somebody had written on. I don't know who it was. The person had left. Maybe the person is in this room. I don't know. But they gave me a napkin, and this is the exact napkin. I have it down here on the front row, and this is what was wrote out. Now, I don't think the Holy Spirit himself wrote it out, but I think the Holy Spirit put it on some brother or sister, and I don't even know if it was anybody that came to our church, but it was just somebody, for whatever reason, they saw me, and they wrote down what they felt like the heart of God was trying to say to me. And I'll try to read it here. It says, what are you waiting for? I am ready to move mightily but I can only go as far as you will allow. 
because I am a gentleman, has the Holy Spirit in parentheses, open your heart fully and I will move in ways that are above all that you could ask or think. Have no fear and do not let that fear have any part of your life, your home, your family, or church. Seek my face now. Time is short. I need you and your willingness and obedience. And you're blessed and empowered to do all that I ask. And then it ends with, trust me. Now, this was out of nowhere. I mean, we were just having a meal I mean, totally disconnected with anything that you would think of. And God put it on some brother or sister's heart to write down the message they felt like God wanted to give me. Now, you may say to me, did that mean anything to me? I still have the napkin six years later. I had it sticking on my, uh, my bulletin board right above my computer. Every time I get a little bit down or discouraged, I look at that note and I know that God is for me and that God is trying to encourage me. And again, that's what prophecy is about. The last thing I just want to mention is that God speaks through dreams and visions. And again, this is something that's a little bit unusual for my upbringing. I mean, people say God no longer speaks with dreams and visions. But even though we may say that, God doesn't read the memo and he's still doing it. All right. So I think God still speaks, as the Bible says, in the last days, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Uh, if you've ever been around, I know Tom Doyle here has been kind of on a mission and he works among the Muslim people. And here's what he's discovering, that Muslim people by the thousands are coming to Christ. And they're coming to Christ not because there was a missionary in their country, not because there was a Bible, because there are no Bibles allowed, there are no churches allowed. But you know how these people are coming to Christ by the thousands? Person after person after person will tell the, the testimony that Jesus came to them in a white robe as, and they, in a dream, and he began to tell them that he loved them, that he died on the cross for their sin, and he asked them to follow me. And he would come night after night after night. And eventually, for a Muslim to accept Christ, I just want you to know it's a death sentence. It's a total rejection of their family. But yet thousands of Muslims are coming to Christ because every one of them testify that Jesus is coming to them in a dream and they are choosing to follow Jesus. And so there are 1.5 billion Muslims in the world. And again, understand, they do not tolerate a Christian church in these countries. They don't tolerate anyone witnessing. But they're coming to Christ because, again, Jesus is appearing to them in a dream. And even the Southern Baptists, I went to a Southern Baptist gathering up in St. Louis some years ago, and all of our missionaries are saying the same thing, that people are coming to Christ in great numbers because Jesus is appearing to people in dreams. And so in these countries, again, thousands and thousands of people are coming to Christ. And so one of the Christian ministries in Egypt decided to put an ad in the paper. And this is what the ad said. Right in the middle of the Cairo Times, have you seen a man in a white robe? If you've seen a man in a white robe in your dream, please call this number. And they've had hundreds and hundreds of people call them with the same story.
I'm just telling you, the God that we serve is constantly speaking. And even though it may be beyond my little realm of understanding, I just want you to know that even in a country that is totally closed to the gospel, that Jesus is personally appearing to people in dreams, and in heaven, I believe we're going to be around thousands and thousands of Muslims that got saved the same way that we did by the grace of God. I want to close with this last story. I was sharing with Ron Heimer. Ron Heimer is a retired Baptist pastor. He's probably as conservative as anybody I know. But Ron was sharing a story. Many years ago, they went to the Philippines, and they were uh, establishing some churches in the Philippines, and they were having some open-air crusades. And he said it was really kind of amazing because they didn't have enough light for everybody, but they had a light around the stage. And he said it was pitch dark outside of that light. He said, we had no idea how many people were in the darkness. But every time we gave an invitation, people would walk out of the dark into the light to come to the altar. And he said, what a beautiful illustration of people going from darkness to light. But he said, one night, a lady came up to be introduced to Ron, and when she saw Ron, she just started crying. I mean, she openly wept. Now, when somebody looks at your face and they cry, it could either be really good or really bad. And so she just started crying when she looked at Ron. And he didn't know what was going on. And so after the service, one of the local pastors there came up and said to Ron, do you know why that lady was crying? He said, I have no idea. He said, last night that woman had a dream. And she dreamed that she was picked up by someone that was driving her to the light. And she did not know who the driver was. She saw him but did not know who the driver was. And when she saw your face... He said, you were the driver in her dream. That God sent you to take her to the light. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but I'm just telling you, the God we serve is constantly speaking. And I'm just saying and challenging you as I challenge myself to walk in the Spirit. And as the Spirit leads us, just to share the life of God everywhere we go. You know, Eric might be a greeter in Walmart. He might be a cashier somewhere. And even though I'm in a hurry to go somewhere, God may say to me, why don't you slow down and just, just share a word of encouragement with that guy or that lady that's a cashier. I just want to tell you, God wants to share His love everywhere we go through our words. Let's pray together. Right where you are, let's just stand up. If you're here today, maybe for the first time in your life, maybe today God has come to you and God has shown you that you need Jesus. You know, if you feel a tug in your heart, I want to encourage you right where you are just to acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. Ask Him to forgive you and to come into your life, and I believe He will honor that. If you're here today and you've never been baptized, I believe that's the first step of obedience. Perhaps you're visiting and this is where God is leading you to join. Get plugged in here at our church. So I'm going to ask David to play softly. We're not going to tarry long. I just want you to respond. If God puts somebody on your heart, I want to encourage you before you lie down tonight, 
to either text that person, call that person, pray for that person. Let's begin to walk in the Spirit and just allow God's Spirit to lead and to guide us.